0: I just want to introduce uh, Justin Herman. Justin and I met at Mariner's Church a it's few true. years ago. It's true. It's true. And You were trying to get rid of Jillian, and I've hired him. That's her. right. That. So, so we met down there, and uh, the thing that I really appreciated about Justin is he was so fired up being a youth pastor down there that when I would see him, he would chest bump me. He wouldn't would. give me a high five. Literally, so it was like a football game. Yeah, Do you remember yeah. that? You remember I was doing trying that? to knock you down. You were trying to knock me yeah, down. Yeah, I was always S- trying to knock Yeah, so I'm it was great. Worst. But anyway, we began a relationship there. And so he then did uh, a, a month with our students, and he's going to be working with our high school ministry for a season here. We're super excited about that. Just finished the parent nights. Mm. And so I asked him if he wouldn't speak on second, Timothy. Mm-hmm. And uh, just appreciate you've got, a, you've got a good word. So would you give it up for Justin as he speaks and brings the word? I love Rod. Rod's the best. You know, the, this is, uh, a lot of people don't know this. I was working at a church, and uh, I left Mariners to go work in another church. Did not work out at that church, okay? Did not work out at that church. I'll tell you more later um, if you ever want to hear I actually don't like talking about it, so don't ask me. But uh, I, le- I didn't work out of that church, and I was in a really tough place. A really t- Most people are not open with when they're in a tough place. You know, I, had, I had a friend who was a pastor at Harvest, um, just committed suicide uh, only a couple weeks ago. Okay, his funeral was last week. People do not talk openly about the things they struggle with or when they're in, they're in a dark spot. I don't know why that is. Fear of judgment, fear of what, you know, what people are going to whisper about them, even though in their own head they think everyone's whispering already. Fear of outcomes, they might lose opportunity, whatever. Number one, if you're struggling with something, you've got to talk to somebody, okay? The, every, your life's worth living. But man, oh man, was I, was I in a really dark, tough spot, and it was Pastor Rod that helped pull me out of that. One of the, one of the only pastors that called, gave me an opportunity to speak, called, gave me an opportunity to lead. That is... a. That is a humble man you have leading you. You don't know how lucky you are. So uh, I'm really excited to be here. Um, Jillian is a good friend of mine. She's not here. She's at home. I was texting her. Super sick. She said in bed. You're Feeling morning sickness. Really sounds like a hangover to me. But um, she's pregnant. Okay. So she she's got like a good excuse, I guess. I don't know how that, all that goes. I don't I don't know her husband that well. Um, or her you know their their values at home. So I don't know what she's doing. But she's pregnant. Okay. So can, she's watching at home. Congratulations to her. They're having. Their first kid, okay, and uh, Drew is kind of like a kid, so it's been a lot of practice, I know. I know. Um, and, you know, I was thinking, it got me thinking of my own childhood, okay? It got me thinking of my own kids, my own childhood. We just um, finished our backyard. I'm going to show you a picture of that later. And I, I just threw up on Instagram some photos of, like, my little three-year-old, like, you know, pulling sod. and stuff. Because we don't go through the hard work of actually, like, putting seeds down. Like, that's a biblical thing. That's not, like, I'm an American. I'm lazy. So I buy all the sod and just roll that stuff out. And you have these pictures of, like, my little kid, you know, rolling stuff out. And you're teaching him a good work ethic and whatnot. And it got me thinking of all the, you know, my, my child. Growing up, and you know, even in my teen years, okay, my teen years, um, and even in my early 20s, I was thinking about all the different times throughout my life because I was reading the book of 2nd of Timothy chapter 4, and this passage we're going to talk about today that's in your notes, and I was thinking all the times I was really hard on people. Now, you might think, well, wait, wait where's the connection here? I'm going to get to that. I was thinking of all the times that I've been really hard on people. Times I've been really hard on strangers. Times I've been really hard on people that I knew, people that were close to me. Um, times I've been hard on family member, friends. You know, one time I was at the Albertsons I made a guy cry. All right? All right. <laughs> So they made this, uh, the, this is just how, how pithy and, and foolish and dumb I am, okay? So uh, I'm, I completely am a creature of habit. I like to do the same thing over and over. Like I go to the restaurant and I get the same dish when I go there. Like I have like my places that are like my, yeah, exactly. You know what I'm talking about. It's like you know where you go and, you know, it's like you know your dish. And at Albertsons they have this cookie dessert and it's two cookies and it's filled with whipped cream in the middle. They make this in the bakery and I love this. And they haven't had this cookie in a while. So I simply just asked this guy, some direct questions <laughs> that, I don't know, he started crying <laughs> halfway into these questions. I felt terrible about it. I felt terrible. And then, and then he waved the manager over. And, I, and I, to me, this wasn't that big of a deal. I just needed some answers like, where is the cookie? Why did you stop making the cookie? When is the cookie coming back? Who can I speak to about the cookie? And these are all simple questions to me. And it was late. It was like nine at night. Okay, I was very, very, I was, I was half tired. And the manager came over. And he was like, you know, he just talked to me about it, and he's like, you know, sorry, sorry for whatever his name was, Nick or something. Sorry for Nick. You know, he's, he's a young guy, and, you know, you're really intimidating. I'm like, I'm not intimidating. Are you intimidated? Like, the whole thing, the whole thing was a, was a total mess, right? The whole thing was a total mess, And it just got me thinking of this passage, I was rolling through this passage, because we have this guy, Paul, who is a mentor to this young man, Timothy, and he's giving Timothy wisdom, and this passage we're going to look at is Paul giving Timothy wisdom through one of the most important methods of giving wisdom, and that's through our own stories, uh, the one, we can teach people a lot of different things. We can teach people things that we've, we've seen. Um, we can teach people things that we've heard about. So like, hey, I heard this thing and, and I learned from that and so you should learn that. But you're kind of teaching secondhand. One of the best ways to teach someone is through your own story—the things that you've personally experienced. I have seen this. I have done this. This has been done to me. I have experienced this. I have lived this. And so now I'm going to teach you something because of this. It's the best way to teach, and that is how Paul is teaching Timothy. So I want to take a look. Uh, if we get started, Second Timothy chapter uh, chapter four here. I'm going to roll through this first part pretty quick because there's just some like good little tidbits in here that I, I don't th- I want—I don't want you to miss. So here we go. Do your best to come to me quickly. This is Paul talking to Timothy. Um, For Demas, because he loved the world, um, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. If everyone knows Thessalonica, this book book of first and second Thessalonians is a letter written to the people of Thessalonica. Um, Census uh, has gone to Galatia. You guys might know that book, the book of Galatians. Okay, so this is like all like, this is stuff that we all know about, right? And Titus to Dilimia. Um, Only Luke is with me. You guys might know Luke. He wrote the book of yeah, there we go. And he wrote the book of Acts. Okay, the book of Luke and the book of Acts. So he was a doctor and historian. So he was there with Paul. Um, get Mark and bring him with you. And know Mark. This is like this is like a, this is like a celebrity list of people and places that we all know about in the Bible. This is how connected Paul is. Now, now this is important not because just this is like a genealogy of people and places he knows he's just name dropping stuff. This is important because it paints a picture that Paul is this connected person. He's done a lot of stuff in a lot of different places and he's influential. Now, part of that goes to speak to his credibility to teach Timothy. You know, the, the, I think the, the weakest thing is to have someone teaching who really doesn't have anything to teach. Like they're just kind of spitballing stuff, like things that they just kind of think are clever, think are cool. Paul's actually someone who has lived a lot of life done a lot of things, been around a lot of people, and he actually does have something of substance to teach. So we're going to keep going. So uh, Mark, bring him with you because he's helpful in my ministry. Um, I sent uh, Ty, Tychius, what's it, these are people in the Bible name their kids weird stuff, um, to Ephesus, which we all know is the book of... Ephesians, okay? So this, again, uh, when you come, bring my cloak that I left at Carpus, um, at Taurus, uh, and my scrolls, especially the, par- the parchment. The, cl- the cloak's an important thing. It's very cold when you're uh, in prison in Rome. If you've ever been in prison in Rome or been in prison, you just know how cold it is in general. So 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is where we're going to get into the meat of stuff, okay? So this is when you actually got to start paying attention, because this is the good stuff, alright? 2 Timothy chapter 4, this is what it says. Alexander, the metal worker, Did a great deal of harm to me. This is very sad. Great deal of harm. We're going to get into that. The Lord will will repay him for what he has done. Key word on done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. So this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about work and works and what does this all mean? How does it apply to us? Okay, what does it mean as it relates to other people? Because this is what Paul is saying to Timothy. There's this guy, Alexander. Alexander's a jerk. He's done bad stuff to me personally and he will do bad stuff to you too. Watch out for this guy. Now here's the thing. We all know in Alexander... Okay, We all know someone like an Alexander, someone who is kind of a, a mean person, someone who's kind of out to get you. It's going to be up on their screen. We all know like an Alexander-type person. Okay, We all know an Alexander. So let me explain who Alexander actually is. Alexander was a follower of the faith with Paul. He was converted by Paul. Um, he was a follower of the faith, and he was involved in the life of the church, Like just like all you guys, right? You know, if you're here, and you come here regularly, and you're a follower of Jesus, and maybe you came to faith here, you're a follower of the church, you're involved you're doing stuff and then one day you're just like you know what forget all this that's Alexander and he and he doesn't just say forget all this he's the guy that says you know what forget all this and I'm actually going to use everything I learned everything I gained knowledge of against Paul so against like for you guys it would be against the leadership of the church. So maybe you're like, you know, here at the church, maybe you're an elder, or you're in some leadership role, maybe you're involved in finances somehow, or you just kind of, maybe you're in the emails, so you kind of know all the dirty secrets of the church, okay? You know all about like Justin's like hidden secret tattoos that are really offensive, actually, and like, you keep those on the, exactly, so you're like, wait, these offensive tattoos? So you know about like all the dirty laundry of the church, and like just all the things, all the little pain points and touch points, um, and but this is back when the church was just starting, this was the early church. So like for them, like there was a lot of top secret stuff happening because Rome didn't like that Christians were meeting together. They didn't like the gospel was spreading. Like there was actually incentive to kind of find out how the church is operating in Rome and shut it down. So this is a guy who's a kind of defector from this Christian faith who says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use everything I've learned against Paul and against the people. So that hardship That great deal of hardship that Paul has endured is from someone that he knew, someone he probably trusted, counted on, who turned their back on him to hurt him. Now, I don't know if anyone's ever had anyone like that in life, but we all know someone like an Alexander who's either done something like that to us or to someone we know. Now, here's the important thing, okay? Here's the important thing. Paul specifically references his works, his deeds, the things that that Alexander has done and that, that the Lord will repay him for what he's done. So I want to teach you a little Greek because I always like everyone getting a little smarter. Um, the the Greek word for works that's used here, all right, is ergon. Okay, ergon, not Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. Total. I have an Aragorn sword in my house, okay? It's swinging it around sometimes, like I feel like a hero, but it's not reality, right? This is Ergon. This is the Greek word used for works, and it's used throughout the New Testament. I'm um, going to talk about works and works and deeds. and the, These are the, the, the things that we do. That, that if we're, if we're going to do some work, like this is the, the work that we're doing. It's like the, the deeds, the actions. Now, here's what's really important, okay? Paul is saying Alexander's works Lord's going Lord's gonna to repay him for, for the deeds that he's done. He's going to repay him for the works that he's done. Here's what I find to be so interesting, okay? The Lord will repay him for the works that he has done. will repay him for what he's done. Here's what's important for us to get a sense of, okay? How does this works thing work in the Bible? You know, we, we all think, well, you know, we're, we're Christians and like everything's kind of working out. Like, this is good for us. We have a good life going here. And you know Alexander, he was—he would consider himself—he would consider himself a Christian guy, right? He was going to church. He was involved in this whole thing, but yet he chose to go this other direction and totally stick it to Paul. And then Paul's response was, you know what? The Lord's going to deal with this guy. This guy, I don't need to personally get my hands dirty. This guy, the Lord's going to take care of this guy. But what way? It, what way are we being measured by this whole works, deeds thing? Now, the Bible talks about this. So we're going to kind of take a little side trail here because I, I think this is important. In order to understand what Paul, the kind of advice that Paul is giving to Timothy, which you're going to get, you have to understand this whole wor- works thing that's happening. So we're going to take a look uh, at Ephesians chapter 2. You don't need to flip there. It's going to be up on the screen. Now, this is what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. God saved you by his grace when you, uh, when you believed, and you can't take credit for this it's a gift from God. Salvation's not a reward for the good things we've done so no one can boast about it. Okay, this is a really great passage. I love this passage, right? This passage, it, in, in essence, it comes down to this. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. So the, the things that we do, that's not the stuff that's saving us. The things that save us are the things that Jesus did. That salvation isn't something that we earn. It's not something that we deserve. It's not something that we can work really hard to like, you know, get enough points for. You know, I, I saw this graphic it's not on the screen, but I saw this graphic on Instagram, like probably like five minutes before I came out here, actually, and it was that, it was so impactful that it made its way into the lesson. it was this this bar graph, okay, of all these different sins. All these different sins. I'll probably throw it on my Instagram later, so I think it's really profound. All these different sins and bar graphs. If you think of a bar graph, you know, some bars are higher than other bars and, you know, some bars are really high and some bars are really low. That's the whole idea of a bar graph. And so when we see sin, when we see, you know, mistakes, you know, even when we can apply it to works, when we see the good works we do, we think, man, this this is really good. Like, this should earn us something. Or, man, when when, look at what we did here, like, this is really, really good. But that God is looking from above, and a different perspective changes everything. As we see it from the front, we see these big bar graphs of all the great stuff we did. When God's seeing it from above, he just sees these kind of these little just squares. He sees it from above. It's it's a really good graphic, and probably didn't make a lot of sense the way I explained it. The point of that is that we think a lot about what we do, and the works that we're doing. And what Ephesians is saying is that it's not about the works that we do, it's so that no one can boast. That the salvation we get comes only from God. That it's not about us, it's about Jesus. Now here's the thing, here's the thing. I, I like doing work, and I like seeing the results of my work. So I told you before we were redoing our backyard, okay? I'm a big, I'm a big uh, well, I'm big into paying people to do, to, to do the hard work, to be honest with you. But, but I'm big into helping out a little bit, okay? I'm big into helping out a little bit. But man, I love the final results. Here's a picture of my backyard, okay? We put a lot of work into this. Now, I don't have a before picture, which I think would make it a whole lot better. But just imagine all that being dirt and mud, which is essentially what it was. We laid concrete um We laid new palm trees, which I think palm trees are beautiful i think the palm trees I grew up in buffalo, okay so I've never seen a palm tree before in my life before I moved to California. I love palm trees. I have a palm tree tattoo on my leg. So we bought palm trees. We bought that planter thing, which I don't know why it's important. My wife thought it was super important to get that planter, so we have it. And we laid all the grass yesterday, laid all the sod. It's beautiful. And I took this photo, and it's like, this is it, right? This is the result of all the hard work that went into creating this backyard. This is awesome. Now, here's the thing. We want to have really healthy things, right? And, and this is a, it's kind of an easy adage because this grass, even though this grass looks really nice now, it's e- we can easily kill it, right, if we don't water it, right? Now, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Healthy things grow where you water it. Healthy things grow where you water it. If you want a healthy marriage, you have to put time into your marriage. If you want healthy kids, you have to put time into your kids. If you want a healthy sex life, you have to put time into your marriage and like the, the whole romance of your life. If you want to have a healthy spiritual life, you have to prioritize getting in the Bible instead of just watching the news or watching a movie or scrolling through Instagram. Like healthy things, like we don't accidentally fall into if we accidentally fell into healthy things, I'd have a six pack. And I have a huge broad shoulders, okay? That's why we don't accidentally fall into healthy things, okay? You pick a guy, like, I don't know, I'm trying to, like, see, kind of trying to imagine people under their clothes right now, like, only the guys, of course, not the girls, only the guys, and like, trying to, like, imagine, like, who's the most, like, buff guy in the room, and I guarantee you, yeah, probably you, you're like, you know, and and I guarantee that, you don't come out of the womb looking like that, okay, you, that you put work into being. Anyone who like, works out and is healthy knows like, that just doesn't happen by accident. Like, maybe it does before you're like, the age of 18, but we all know what kind of like you know, time catches up with us and just goes downhill from there. Like, healthy things don't happen by accident. Healthy things grow where we water it. So this is what it says in the book of James. This is Jesus' brother, and I usually have a really clever joke about Jesus' brother, and imagine if your brother was Jesus, but like, I just don't have time for that. There's a lot to cover right now, so just insert joke and laugh. It's <laughs> so good, right? So James chapter 2, this is what it says. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? What kind of faith, um, what um, can that kind of faith save anyone? This is what it's saying. This is what it's saying. How good is it to say you have faith, but you're living as if you don't have faith? Like you're saying one thing, but everything you're doing reflects a completely different lifestyle. Like th- that's the thing that would would drive me the most bananas about Christians that would say, "Oh man, I'm a follower of Jesus. I love Jesus, but man, oh, but but nothing they do actually shows." that they are a follower of Jesus. The things they do, the things they say, the things they post, the way they talk about people, you know, even the way they, they water the things in their life, that the healthy things in their life grow, that none of it is conducive or reflective of what Jesus was about or what Jesus would do. It drives me completely bananas. Verse 15, suppose you see a brother or sister, so this is the example they give, who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day. I just imagine saying this, someone saying this in a British accent, I don't know why. Stay warm, eat well, but then you, give, then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? The answer is it does no good. That's the point that James is making. It does no good to see someone's needs and to do nothing about it. That, uh, so some people are weird about giving money to the homeless. I'm not weird about giving the money to the homeless because I'm not that person's accountant. I'm called to obedience, not to, to count this guy's finances. So I see someone who's homeless, I want to give him five bucks. I don't, I don't feel weird about that. Like I, I was over the other day at the Albertsons. Again, I go to this Albertsons a ton. Okay, I like this place. And there's a homeless person outside. And there's a Chipotle around the corner, and I love Chipotle. And I bought him a gift card. Part of me was thinking, you know, if they hate Chipotle, maybe I could keep the gift card. But you know, whatever. So I bought him this gift card and I gave it to him. and said, "Hey, there's a Chipotle over there. Go get yourself some food." And they were really appreciative. Listen, I'm not, I'm not weird about that. Some people are like, "Oh, they'll use the money for drugs." Yeah, they might, but I'm not their accountant. I'm not their life coach. Uh, I'm called to obedience. I feel like if Jesus was walking by, he would see a hungry person. He'd want to do something about it. Okay, like that's like that's just like I'm very simple. I'm very dog-like when it comes to some of this stuff. Like I'm just, I don't overthink it. I just, I just kind of. Do I just I see a car and I just chase it like I see a homeless person I just take some action like I think that that's kind of the idea here that we overcomplicate all these things sometimes when it's really simple just to see a need and then move at that need now this is all really important you got to remember some of this stuff because we're going to get to this when Paul is kind of giving Timothy this last advice um, verse seventeen so you see faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds and its deeds, uh, it's uh, dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Now, this is so important because this is where we all kind of get lost. Some people feel like, oh, this is saying that in order to have faith, we have to do good stuff, and we show our faith. You know, we show that we have faith, or we earn more faith by this good stuff we do, and that's not what it's saying at all. It's saying that if someone comes to you and says, hey, I'm a Super Bowl champion, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Super Bowl champion, you say. Can I see the ring? Oh, yeah, I don't have the ring. It's like, oh, oh, is it at home? Oh, no, it's not at home either. Oh, then, then you're not a Super Bowl champion, right? Like you're lying about that. Oh, no, no, I totally am. I just don't have the ring to prove it. It's like, mm, you kind of need the ring. If someone shows up and they're like, "Hey, I'm a Super world champion." And here's my ring to prove it. You're like, "Oh my gosh, this is legit. This guy, this guy is totally telling the truth. Like this is I can trust this." Not just because they're saying it, because I'm seeing the truth of it. I'm seeing the out, the you know the thing of it. If someone if someone walks up and says, "Man, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christian." Like, "Oh, that's so cool." Like so, you know, what kind of Christian things you do? And you're like, nothing. I swear a ton. I drink a lot. And I look at porn. And they're like, wait, hold on a second here. Wait, wait, hold on a second here. Uh, <laughs> wait, uh, I might be new to this Christian faith thing, but I actually think that you shouldn't do those things. And they're like, no, 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 it's totally cool. I'm a totally a Christian, but, uh, but I also do all that other stuff too. It's like, no, guys, no, 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 listen, listen. When we're a follower of Jesus, the things we do change. So then the actions we do are actually a reflection of the fact that we're a follower of Jesus. When we say, hey, we're a follower of Jesus, we stay consistent to that so that our actions, the things we do, even though it may be difficult as we get started. You know, when I first became a Christian, I was making a lot of mistakes. I was screwing a lot of stuff up, that's okay because God stuck with me. Like during all that stuff, God stuck with me, and it was totally cool, and I made mistakes, and I learned from those mistakes, and like I got back, I was staying on track. But it wasn't from day one, like, oh, man, I'm a Christian now. Like, this is good. Like, I'm solid for heaven, and I'm going to book my flight, and I'm good. But I'm, gonna, I'm also gonna just going to keep doing everything I was doing before. No, that's not being a Christian. Like, that maybe That's being a Christian maybe in name only. But, the, so you come to someone it's like, hey, I'm a Christian. Like, I can show you my faith, but it has no deeds behind it. It has no action behind it. Everyone's going to look at you and be like, no, no that doesn't make any sense where you come and say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. And actually, before I even tell you I'm a follower of Jesus, the actions of what I've been doing, those are the evidences of my faith. The things of my faith. You're gonna see the evidences of my faith before you even hear me talk about my faith. And that's what James is saying. Verse 19. So, so you say you have faith, um, for you believe that there is one God, good for you, even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? See, here, here's the thing. And Paul, Paul really wants us to get this. Because he knew that, that, that Timothy would, would understand. When, when Timothy was being written a letter, when he was being written a letter by Paul, and Paul specifically was talking about Alexander and his deeds, he knew Timothy would know what he's talking about. If you just read Second Timothy, you'd read it and be like, oh yeah, this Alexander guy looks like a jerk. Like, this guy looks like a jerk, and whatever. That's why it's important for us to understand the idea of works and deeds. Because here's the thing. You, as a follower of Jesus, may mess up and may screw up and make mistakes along the way. It's cool, okay? But for someone who's a follower of Jesus who says, you know what? Forget the faith. Forget the Christian thing. Everything I'm going to do from here on out is not going to be reflective of Jesus at all, and you know, forget all of this. There's a difference between the two, and we're going to see it when we get into this next verse. This is what it says: Second um, Timothy chapter four, verses, uh, verse sixteen. This is what he says next: At my defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Okay, so I'm on pause. Okay, take a deep breath. Anyone ever been deserted before? And I mean, like, really, like, like, let alone. You know what that feels like. So I grew up in a single-parent home, single mom. I don't know if anyone grew up in a single-parent home. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. But if you're there, you know who you are. And I remember my dad left because just, it just wasn't for him. Marriage just wasn't for him. Being a dad just wasn't for him. Very tough stuff. Very, very hard. That feeling of being abandoned. It's like, it's great pain that sticks with you. It's a feeling of, I'm not good enough. It's a feeling of uselessness. It's the feeling of, I'm not enough. You know, it's the feeling of betrayal sometimes. And those wounds stick with us. You know, I think in some ways, I'm st- I still, even as a father, as a young husband, I'm still working through the pain of that. I'm 34. It happened when I was eight years old. You know how many things I remember from when I was eight years old? Like almost nothing. I remember the 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 move on nintendo to get mario to just grow bigger it's like up down back right like ab up down you know it's like i remember the code kind of i had the, the controller in my hand and i remember my father walking out the door that's what i remember when i was 8 years old very very few things but it sticks with you now here's the thing 34 getting older i'm still working through some of that stuff like there are still days in marriage where it's like it's like man this is hard you know, maybe, maybe my dad, maybe I get it now, right? Maybe I get it. Maybe leaving sometimes makes sense because it just gets so difficult and you're like, wait, hold on. Like, what am I thinking right now? Like, that, that's not real. Just, just quitting, throwing in the towel, walking away from it all, like, that's not real. But if you're still working through some of this stuff, like I am, like, it, it's difficult. It's difficult to prioritize and, like, figure out how it all makes sense because it feels, you know, it just feels hurtful and painful and difficult, and so Paul, like he, he felt the abandonment of it all. He's there in Rome, in prison, on trial for his life. And the people he thought, like, listen, they're going to come out and they're going to have my, these people are going to have my back. People are going to have my back. And what I'm being accused of, like, you know, that, that's just a bunch of trumped up, you know, garbage charges. They're going to come, they're going to have my back. But man, nobody showed up. You know, I don't know what, your, what you think should happen, but we should probably let them have it, right? We should let them have it. They can't be part of the church anymore. You know, I, I like a – I think I referenced Dave Chappelle's, like, stand-up comedy last time I was here. I don't know if anyone's watched it, but it's, I think it's hilarious. And, uh, uh, and, you know, you don't watch it with your kids, of course, but you watch it, you know, as an adult. You can handle some of the language. And I, I was – and just, he was speaking to this whole cancel culture thing that's happening, Okay. This whole thing is happening. I was uh, watching the news, the sports news, and the regular news this week, and they were talking about this kid, Carson King. I don't know if you're familiar with Carson King, but uh, here's a picture of him. He was up at uh, ESPN last Saturday. This whole thing happened within a week. And he had this sign about uh, um, Bush Light, um, which is a beer, not my beer of choice, obviously, but, but for a poor college kid, like it makes sense. Thank you for that one laugh. Uh, for a poor college kid, it is what it is. And he did this sign um, that uh, had his Venmo, this, just, you know, looking for some beer money. This dude raised a million dollars. Yeah, see that face? That's the face of everyone. That's what everyone's internally feeling, but I'm, I love that you're you're bold enough to be like, because that's shocking, a million dollars. And you know what this kid, this college kid, by the way, if I was in college, I got a million dollars, like randomly, I, I'd be living it up. It would be I'd buy a new car and I'd be living it up. You know what this kid did? Decided to give all the money to cancer research to a children's hospital. Wild, right? Oh my gosh! Like who would do that? Like I, I, I swear to you, I would not have done that. Maybe someone would have pressured me to do it. Maybe someone would have forced me to do it. My mom would have been like, you know, she, but I just wouldn't have done that. He did this totally unprompted. And so you know what they did? For whatever reason, the a reporter in uh, in uh, Iowa. Did research on this kid, a back, back, you know, background history stuff. I don't know why you do that, but they thought they should, and they dug up an old tweet from this guy, like from when he was 16. Okay, anyone in the room 16 years old? By the way, 16. Susie, how old are you, kid? No, the kid next to you. 19. Okay, okay. You're very different from when you were 16, probably. Right? Okay, 16. It's like I can't even fathom what I was like at 16. I I was the worst, probably at 16. They dug up some old tweet from this kid when he was 16 and ruined this, trying to ruin this kid's life. Okay, Bush Anheuser Busch um, offered to do a whole deal with this kid to to match the million dollars. They pulled out of that deal. This kid has to go up on you know some news conference and apologize for what he did. People love canceling each other in culture today. And, you, and this, is, this feels like, this is like the biblical moment where we're gonna cancel people, right? Because Paul's there on trial. These people are supposed to show up and have his back, defend him. And so here's the moment where they didn't show up, and just like Alexander, who is the worst, right? We're going to let God deal with Alexander. Here's our chance. We are going to let these people pay for what they did. They didn't show up. They didn't support Paul when he needed it. I couldn't imagine being in a small group of people and, the, and I needed the, you know, all my people to help me do something. I mean, you know, I'm really shallow, right? So it's like I just need people to help me move, you know, stuff. And they don't show up for that. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're dead to me. Like, I'm completely shallow. I'm completely heartless. And I just just totally could imagine Paul saying just that. Oh my gosh, these people didn't show up. Like, we're going to let them have it. And do you know what it says in verse 16, the second part? This is what it says May it not be held against them. Well, that doesn't sound right. That that, that doesn't sound right. Wait. Uh, Because Alexander, he had a big problem and we were going to leave it to god to deal with it, it j- just so you know when you leave god to deal with things like you know it's basically calling in the army i mean it's like god is is he's good he's loving he also commands the angels he has control of everything when you're saying listen we're going to let god handle this one it's basically saying you know what you know whatever he thinks is best is best and you know if it if it's something harsh then god's going to do it and he's going to see fit how to do it and you'd think, well, you know, these are my close personal friends. Like, I should probably go to their house and give them a hard time. I should you know, maybe write in this letter, hey, Timothy, by the way, when you're heading back into town, go to these people's houses and burn them to the ground and like, you know, let them know like, that it was Paul who sent you. Like, you know, Whatever. Like, let, some kind of retribution has to take place. May it not be held against them. Man, it reminds me of Jesus on the cross. It reminds me of Jesus on the cross with the thief. You know, man, you'll you'll be remembered as we go into the kingdom today, you know, paraphrasing it. You may be a Jesus, like, you know, they don't know what they're doing. Look at them, they don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness, right? I think Paul is trying to draw this this line for, for Peter, or for Timothy, I mean. Paul's trying to draw this line for Timothy. See, while Alexander... In his selfishness, turned away from the faith and said, "I'm going to do whatever I want, and I'm going to use everything I know against you." It was selfish. It was it was mean. It was it was self-serving. You know, then you have this group of people who who probably were filled with fear. You, know, you think of his fellow Christians in a town where everyone's hunting for Christians. Probably a lot of fear. Probably a lot of concern. You know, they, you know, in some ways, maybe they were cowards. Which is a you know, cowards, Whatever. They were afraid for their lives. But Paul sees this difference, okay? He sees this difference of those who are in the faith, turn from it, and they do it to hurt other people. And those who, man, they they are followers of Jesus and and they still, they make a mistake along the way. And one we're going to leave to God because it's something that only God can deal with. And one, we're going to show a lot of grace and forgiveness for our brother and sister, even though they made a mistake, even though they weren't there when we needed them. We're going to show forgiveness and mercy. Now, it's still merciful and forgiving to say, we're going to let God handle this, because there's something only God can handle. And it's just as strong to look at the brother or sister and say, you know what? I'm, we can forgive, and we can move forward, and it is okay, you know, this is what it says in, in verse 17. But the Lord stood by by my side and gave me strength so that through the message, um, through me, the message might be fully proclaimed to all the Gentiles who might hear it. You know, who are the Gentiles? It's those who don't believe. The Gentiles are those who don't believe. That, that, so there's those who believe, like Alexander, and who are turning from the faith to just stick it to those who do believe. Use all his inside knowledge to hurt us. There's those who believe... And who still make mistakes. And then there are those who don't believe. And our goal is to keep sharing that message with them. You know, I think of it like a house, okay? I have a house. I have two small kids. They play outside with the neighborhood kids. Now, some of these neighborhood kids are different types of kids, okay? Some of them are very weird kids. And they what they do is they get their Nerf guns, okay? I do not like this. They get their Nerf guns and they hide out. I don't know how long they hide out. I don't know where their parents are, but they hide out by the mailbox, okay? And then when people come get their mail, they shoot them with Nerf darts. I'm not making this up. Come to my, come to my neighborhood sometime. I'll, you can go get the mail. And if it's a day where they're plotting their attack, uh, they will shoot you with nerf darts. It's absolutely the worst. And, you know, sometimes they play with my kids, and they play a little more aggressively, right? Now, I like it when my boys are a little aggressive with each other, because I think boys need that. Like, they need, like, aggressive play and to wrestle around, and, like, they need to learn, like, what it means to get inside control and then, you know, control the neck and then take them down. Like, they need to learn those kind of things. Like, they need to learn an arm bar and, like, how to, you know, do no son, you put your leg over them like this, and, you know, they need to learn this. I think it's important to boys learn this stuff at a young age. Um, I just do. So I might be wrong, but I do. And, uh, but here's the thing. As the father, okay, I have my house. I have the kids in my house, okay? So I have my kids, and the, you know, we're all, my kids, we're all part of the same family. Now, there's the neighborhood kids, okay? And, and here's the thing. When the neighborhood kids cause trouble, it's good for me as the father to come out, father of my kids to come out and put an end to the neighborhood shenanigans, the neighborhood bully stuff. Even though they're not my kids, like it's good for me as the father to come out and say, no, no, I, stop this, quit doing this. Like it's, it's good for me as their father to come out and protect them and kind of handle everything. But when there's like a, a strife between them, like issues between them, it's good for me as the father to say, hey, listen, you guys need to work this out together so there 's sometimes where it 's good for me to come in and deal with issues, and there 's times where me as the father it 's good for them in a safe way to deal with their own issues Now, God, the Father that Paul knows there 's sometimes it 's good to let people just be left to God. There are people in our lives that we just need to leave to God and let God handle that that 's the lesson that Paul is giving through the lens of of deeds and works. And understanding what is the difference between the follower of Jesus who is, who is not only saying they're a follower of Jesus, but it's, it's proven by their actions. And that there are some people in our lives that we need to give them just over to God and say, God, you need to, you need to take care of this. Maybe the issue is someone in addiction in your life, and it, it, this, we just need to leave this person to God. Maybe the issue is someone who is just, you, maybe you've been evangelizing them, and, and every time you're just hitting a wall, hitting a wall, and, and you know, there's this, there's this passage in the, in the Bible. that talks about maybe you need to just kick the dust off your feet and go to another town. You know, maybe there's people we just got to leave them to God. Let, let someone else, you know, share the gospel with them. I know you might think, oh, my gosh, this sounds terrible. No, no, no. There's some, sometimes we leave people to God. We can just leave this to God. Maybe there's someone who has really, really hurt you. And we can pray for him. We can be for him. But sometimes we just gotta, we gotta just leave those people to God. And then there's the people within our own family. The people that we kind of know. The people that we have a relationship with. And these are the people that we really need to work this out. We need to be forgiving and understanding. These are the people that Paul's talking about to Timothy. These are the people that their deeds reflect their faith, that the people who have faith, the people, even though they may make a mistake or a hiccup along the way, overall, their actions are reflective of their faith. So when they make this mistake, they have a hiccup, they don't show up when we think they're going to show up. This is our chance to press in and to figure it out together. You know, the, the father, this is the time the father would say, no, no, you guys need to get together and you need to work this out. And then there's times where the father needs to step in and handle the issues that are taking place. Now here's what I want you to hear, okay? so we be up here on the screen. There are those who are not part of our family that we need to leave to God. Now I don't know who those people are for you, but there are people who are not part of our family that we need to leave to God. In the same way, there are those who are part of our family who made a mistake and they need forgiving. these, These are the people that are in your church, they're in your, your, your life groups, they're in your, your relationship groups. Like they're people who have faith and their actions reflect their faith and that there's st- still a mess up, there's still a confusion because Paul is, knows that Timothy's on his way and he's prepping Timothy with, there are people that have been part of this who've turned their back on us who are not part of the family of faith anymore and there are people who are part of our family of faith who have made mistakes and we're going to show forgiveness and show understanding. So when you come into town and you hear that, oh, you know, hey, you know, yeah, I had a court date. And these people who were supposed to defend me, they didn't show up. Instead of Timothy freaking out and going nuts, oh my gosh, I just can't believe this. No, no. These are the people who, who their words reflect their deeds, but yet they still made a mistake and that's okay. And we show understanding to that. So here's the thing. Because the Father is for us and we can trust that he it, we can trust he is there for us because the father is for us and we can trust that he's there for us. That's what gives us the capability to say, you know what? There are some things that we need to leave to God and some people and some relationships and some situations we need to leave to, leave to God. And then there are other things that we need to show forgiveness and understanding and reconcile for. You know, here's, here's what I want you to do. The, the band's going to come back up in a second. And here's what I want you to be thinking about, okay? Because we're wrapping up 2 Timothy and there's been a lot of stuff we've learned over the last number of weeks. But here's the thing I want you to try and put into practice. Now, when you go home and you're driving or you go out, somewhere out to lunch, I know for me I'm going to go watch the Bills game, I'm going to watch them destroy the Patriots who are a godless team. And, 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 uh, and you know, thank you. And, and I'm going to think to myself two things, okay? I'm going to make I'm going to pull out a piece of paper. I like making lists. And I'll make a quick list, okay? Who or what do we need to leave to God? Who or what do we need to leave to God? Now, listen, there's answers to that. They may be difficult, it might need some discussion. But there are things that have either been holding us down, weighing us down, stressing us out, giving us concern, actually taking more energy away from the people around us because this situation out there is just drawing a lot of our attention, a lot of our our stress level goes up when we think about it. It's taking a lot of our brain power and trying to figure out how to work this whole thing out. We're going to make a list of the things that we just need to give over to God. And then who are the things, who or what needs some forgiving. Who or what needs to be forgiven? Is there a person you need to call? Is there a person that you need to send a letter to, an email, like the olive branch of, you know what, I, we need to figure this thing out. We need to reconcile this together. We need to be okay with each other because we're not, and we're both believers, and we should not be at odds over whatever the thing is. Now, the thing might be a big thing, so I'm not minimizing whatever the thing is, but as the band's coming back up, I want you to think about what, what are the things that you would put on that list? What's on the list for you of the things that you need to just give over to God and just let it be? And what are the things that you need to forgive? Make the phone call, send the text. So I'll wrap up with this quick story. So I was talking earlier before about how I was in a really, really dark spot Rod helped pull me out of that, okay? So at that church, a buddy of mine ended up taking my old job there, okay? No big deal. He needed a job. He got a job. And and here's the thing. In that whole situation, I felt really slighted actually. He didn't reach out to me like I felt like he should have reached out to me and said, "Hey, the, you know the place that didn't work out with you? Well, they're calling me and they want to hire me." I felt like he should do that. Okay, I don't know why I felt that way, but I felt that way. I felt like he should give me a call and just kind of, you know, put it in my ear, let me know, so that I'm not caught off guard. And do you know what happened? I was totally caught off guard. And 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 me being, you know, a, a, an aggressive person, you know, which maybe the Albertson's guy's a little right, very intense, very aggressive. I was hurt, and there's nothing worse than hurting an intense and aggressive person because they will react in a very intense and aggressive way. And me and this dude, we haven't spoken since he took the job. Literally, we haven't spoken since. And, and, you, and you might think, man, you kind of, that of seems like a hypocrite. This guy's teaching our youth, and he's, he's, t- he's teaching parents, and this guy's up on stage teaching now, and, and, and he hasn't talked to this dude since? Yeah, yeah, I haven't. Guess what? Broken. All right, not perfect. There was one perfect guy. I'm thankful he gave his life for me because, man, I could never do it myself. And I was going through this lesson and the only thing I was thinking was, like, hey, I gotta get through this weekend and then I need to reach out to this guy. And it's gonna be hard because I took a really aggressive stanch in a, in a youth pastor Facebook group, as foolish as that may sound to you. There's like 10,000 people in it. And uh, and I took a really aggressive approach um, to him when he reached out, because he was doing the biblical thing, and, and I just couldn't see past my own pain. And... And it just hits me going through this, that there are people that, yes, we give them to God, but for the people who are followers of Jesus, we have, to, we have to have the courage to press into a discussion that may be hurtful or painful. We have to be willing to step into a conversation that may feel embarrassing or maybe humbling. That's actually a good thing. And so I'm just going to make it through this weekend, and I'm going to give this guy a call because this guy, this is the guy that's on my list. This is the guy I need to reach out to and say, man, I don't know what's happened, but something's happened, and me and you, we need to figure the whole thing out. Make your list. It's really easy to do. It costs zero dollars. It takes a little bit of time. Make your list and think about how could your life be different if if you pressed into that with that person? I'm telling you, you'll never regret it. Let me pray for you in a worship. Heavenly Father, this is, a, this is a great group of people, man. We love you. We want the best for our lives. We want the best for our kids and for our friends and family members. Um, and Lord, let us take what we've learned today, uh, the advice that Paul gave Timothy, a young man leading from his own experience. Lord, let us be able to teach from our experience. Let this be a lesson that sits with us. Let us take action on it. We thank you. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.